and welcome back to the Natural Selection Podcast. Hosting you for this episode will be me, Francesca. And me, Rob. On this episode, we are joined by SafetyNet Technologies, who are a team of engineers and business planners collaborating with scientists to turn their theories into usable devices, such as sophisticated LED systems, with the aim of making fishermen's lives easier, as well as making commercial fishing much more sustainable. I'm particularly excited for this podcast as it's very important to me that we meet the sustainable development goals to use different marine resources in a sustainable way. And I think that safety net technologies are doing some really, really exciting work out in the field. We really enjoyed recording this and we hope you enjoy listening. It's Francesca and Rob here and today we are very lucky to be joined by Dan and Tom from SafetyNet Technologies, who are going to talk to us about what they do and their role in reducing fisheries by catch. So to start off with, who are SafetyNet Technologies and what are your individual roles within the team? Well, um, so SafetyNet Technologies is, we're a company, a technology company that builds um, devices that help with uh, precision fishing. So what we're trying to do is help the commercial fishing sector catch more accurately and, and also build in some different value for those people um, in the sector who can use our technology. Um, my name's Dan Watson. I'm one of the co-founders and the CEO at SafetyNet Technologies. Tom? And uh, good afternoon. I'm Tom Rossiter. I'm sales lead and uh, the sea dog in uh, SafetyNet Technology. Brilliant. So for those of us that are potentially less uh, aware of it, this precision fishing is uh, quite an interesting technique and you're doing it through the use of light. So can you explain how this works and uh, maybe give us a few examples of um, areas you've implemented it? Okay, I'll, I'll start off then. So um, we use light uh, in the device that we call Pisces. So this is the first product we've designed and built, and it's a small-ish light emitting device. If you imagine something about the size of a hockey puck or a small plate, um, essentially you can fit this thing into different fishing gears and it will emit different types of light. So that could be different colors in wavelengths. Um, it might flash at different rates. You could put it at different brightnesses and intensities. And then where you put it in the fishing gear is also really important because what we're using and making use of is the science behind how fish both see and also respond to different types of light behaviorally. So in some cases, you might have a fish that can see a blue light really, really clearly because of the way that its eye is formed. And in that fish, it might also swim towards the light because of some behavioral response to it. Maybe it thinks it's prey. Um, maybe it's just interested in the light. Maybe there's something physiological, like the way that the light flashes means that it has something called an optotaxis response where it sort of feels compelled to move in a similar way to the flashing rate of the light. So we have a database that we've built up that allows us to understand some of those relationships between both the visual and the behavioral side. And then we can use it when we put it into fishing gears to achieve outcomes that are useful for people in the commercial and other fishing sectors. So what's your target species? What are the, the species that you're catching by mistake? And how do we find ways to use light to separate them out? Brilliant. So that, that's that's really interesting and uh, something that I, I hadn't heard of before. So um, thank you for explaining that a bit more. 
And are there any particular fish species that um, fish, fishermen often want to target with these lights? I suppose there's three aspects to using the light, um, as kind of Dan explained, but you can quite simply attract fish with light, you can uh, repel them, and, and then the third aspect where the, the light comes in is it helps the fish to see because it's just very dark, um, certainly down at, at depth. So that extra light can help it see perhaps an ex- escape panel um, or um, a grade or something like that in a fishing gear. And then they have a better chance of escape if, if they're the species that will fit through it and so on. So, um, yeah, from, from that point of view, the, the kind of the light is it, it can it can function in a, in a number of ways and um, get the results where it's been used. Our light traditionally has been used is like in in with cephalopods, squid, and um, in particular squids. Uh, but what we're now seeing is that you know we're we're trying to uh, move that towards the more conventional species, and, and it's across the board. It's not there's not one particular species where it's it's effective, and another it's not. It really depends on all the circumstances and what you're trying to achieve. And then you can create a, a kind of a reaction from the fish um, in, under those circumstances. So yeah, there's, there's, you know, here we're we've there's a lot of study and a lot of work gone into the likes of cod, which is you know sustainable here in in this part of the world. Then there are other species that are much better known and understood, and there's some species we know nothing about, and you know, it's. it's it's well known that like the seas are, are poorly understood and we know more about the surface of the moon than we do about the, the kind of bottom of the seas. And it, that's true for a lot of species as well. But with our science database, we can um, we can take the basic science. We can start to look at, you know, closely related species and have a good idea what potential uh, reaction from, we say, a species that, that is closely related to cod but hasn't necessarily been studied how that might react and you know you can get some basic um parameters from well where does it live and if it's right down at the bottom of the sea we know it won't see like the 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 kind of red colors in in the spectrum it's if it's going to see anything it's more towards the kind of the blue end of the spectrum and so on so yeah there's there's a lot to it i guess is what what i'm kind of saying but you know every fish they can see, then there is the potential to create that reaction. Thank you. That's really interesting. So with uh, the fishing industry, it's obviously a, a very intense area and um, things have to happen fairly quickly and decisions have to be made fairly fairly sharp as well. Um, so with working with the fishing industry, I guess you experience that a fair amount. So could you just maybe give us a few examples of positive and negative experiences of your collaborations with the fishing industry and what you've taken from that and realised is essential to your businesses. Do you want to take that one, Dan? I'll give it a, I'll give it a start. And then, uh, yeah, Tom, you've got a lot more experience in this area than I do. But um, I, I have to say, that actually, um, you mentioned positives and negatives. I think we've had a largely positive experience with the fishing sector. People want to solve this problem, right? This is something that affects the industry. But then as a, as a, a knock-on from that, it doesn't just affect them, it affects retail supply chains, consumers, the, the world is, is, you know, fish needs to be caught in a selective, sustainable way because populations are growing, right? So I think there's some really, 
really positive movement and certainly the sort of the intertwining of science and the fishing sector is becoming more and more common i think there's a better relationship forming up between people looking for solutions as well and, and enabling access to fishing vessels to actually go and try stuff out so we have some really great relationships with fishing crews tom's been um, working with a guy called Ian Whiteman, and he's been amazing about taking Pisces out and deploying in his fishing gear to, to give us what we need, really, which is like, is it doing what you needed to? Is it working in the right way? Is it is it strong enough? You know, can it take being like dragged along the bottom of the sea? And um, and that's been like unbelievably helpful in how do we conduct our product development and understand how the devices can work for different people. So I think those those experiences, even from sort of day one, the first bit of research I did as a student when I started this was to go out on a fishing vessel um, up in Scotland called Aeolus and just see how the crews worked, see how the gear went out, understanding the nature of the, the sort of the technology that's being used on board. And the welcome that I got was really great. I could just sort of walk around, see what was going on, get things explained to me. Um, and it really, I mean, it's a craft, like there's a lot going on there that, that you have to learn. And I think very few people understand, you mentioned it's intense. Well, it is right. And very few people understand that because they don't go, they don't see it because fish arrives on your plate through plastic packaging through a, a retailer or on your plate in a restaurant which someone else has prepared and a lot of the times we don't even see the bones or the guts or anything that goes into it so um, it is a world away and I think what's starting to happen through things like the work that we're doing and other groups is that we're bringing those worlds closer and people can start to collaborate and that's really exciting because there are big problems to solve. <laughs> Brilliant thank you so ju just as a, a, an add-on to that it's obviously got global applications but has it been kind of rolled out globally or at least tested globally yet? Uh, absolutely. It's, you know, the, the, the problems we have in terms of bycatch and that are, are truly global. Um, the, you know, the, a lot of it depends on, I suppose, awareness. Um, and you would have to say in, in the kind of, I suppose, the Western world, we are much more acutely aware of the issues around bycatch. But then you go to other parts of the world where there is no bycatch issue because they eat absolutely everything because of subsistence living. Um, so I think we're probably the most guilty in the Western world of waste, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, but equally then around that, I think there is there is that awareness of the issue and the desire both ethically and I suppose legislatively to resolve this. So if you look at a policy coming out of Europe or the UK, US, Canada, New Zealand, these places where actually if you're not if you're catching the wrong fish, this could mean you stop fishing uh, and you're tied up and you might only be a quarter of a way through the year. So there's a real incentive now coming in through the policy. And Dan also mentioned the market as well. You know, the, the guys that have probably more muscle in this world now are, are the commercial guys that are buying the fish. So if you've got a big commercial company and says, I'm not going to buy your fish anymore because you're causing too much damage to the to the environment, you're you're killing too many fish and so on, that's your own business. You know, it's as simple as that. So there's quite a few kind of levers around it. Um but yeah you you're dead right. It it's it's a global issue. But I think, you know, Thankfully, we are seeing some traction and, and more so probably in, in the Western world, as we would call it. And is it easy for the fishermen to attach these lights onto their nets and use them? I think that's probably one of the 
kind of the best aspects of of Pisces, the product. You know, as Dan described, it's it's very small, it's puck shaped, it's it's been designed to go a, um, into the water. It's it's decorated to two hundred meters. Um, the, the the hydrodynamic kind of forces on it are pretty small because of its shape, so it won't distort your gear. Um, and like a big trawl that could be, you know, the size you've heard of football stadiums, whatever else. But they're actually quite precise pieces of equipment and um, you can distort them quite easily. And if you distort it, it won't fish. It just will not be effective. So there's a real balance around it. What you don't want to be doing is putting some big carbuncle down there that's just going to, you know, ruin it for the fisherman. He'll try it once and then it's in the bin because I'm not catching any fish. So, yeah, that whole design feature of making it fit for purpose. Because when you're fishing, the focus is about catching fish. It's You don't want to be thinking, right, I need to slow down now because I've got this delicate thing that's yeah. coming in over the side or going over. No, you just want to... It's, it's about, can I get my gear in and out of water as quickly as possible so I can be as efficient as I can, the crew can get home as quickly as possible, and the fish is as fresh as possible. So really, it's it's so important to make that, you know, make sure we're not interfering with that process. And, uh, you know, I'm really pleased to say Pisces is, is great that way. It goes on at the start of the trip, you take it off at the end of the trip, you charge it then, and, and it's very much a fit and forget. Okay, thank you. That sounds amazing. Thank you. And for anybody listening who is interested in setting up a similar kind of company um, like yours, could you maybe outline how you went about doing this and your journey to making safety net technologies what it is today? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been a long, it's been a long time coming, to be honest. Um, so I started this about ten or eleven years ago when I was a student. Um, it was my final year project. And after that, uh, essentially had built this thing that sort of visually looked like what was what this would end up being, um, which is something that fitted into a fishing gear and, and, and lit up. Um, but the road from like that sort of looks like prototype to getting to the point now where we have a production line and we have these things being produced and tested and certified um, has been a long time. But that's not to say it's impossible. I mean, Basically, if you find that you've had a good idea and then you can convince some other people that it sounds sensible or like an interesting thing to explore, um, whether that's a, a co-founder, because um, it can be a lot of really quite hard work at the beginning. Um, if you're on your own, it's definitely good to try and start something with someone you can talk with about it and bounce ideas off and, and sort of make use of all of your energy. Um, that was something I learned way too late, but essentially, yeah, if you've got an idea and you've got some drive behind it and you can show some facts around it and to and why you think it's a good a good one. Um and then find some people to support you on your way. Particularly as we're moving into like the next decade, which is sort of things like the UN Ocean of Decade uh, the decade of ocean science, sorry. Um there are more people looking at the ocean and how we can do stuff within it to, to make it uh, better understood. And then through that understanding, figure out where the problems lie and how to start solving some of them. So there are more people looking at this area in terms of how to support that kind of work. And, and more people are actually also looking to work in that space too. So it's a really good time to be looking certainly for the ocean um, because there's more data accessible, there's more things we can start to see how it makes an effect. And um, Tom, how did you get into StationNet Technologies? If you don't well, mind me I've asking. Been, I've been in, yeah, <laughs> some, some good luck. Uh, no, I've been in the fish, I grew up fishing um, on fishing boats and I suppose my career has been fishing all my life uh one way or another 
through science or R&D or technology or seafood processing. And um, I, I got introduced through a colleague of mine um, who introduced me to, to safety net technology. I'd been aware of them in the kind of background. And I thought, you know, that's mad um, because anybody wanting to put a light on, down in the water on a really destructive type environment where you've got things banging, you know, you're talking half ton weights banging around the place. It's just like, that's crazy. It's just, yeah. But actually when you sit down and look at the, the what, what's gone into it in terms of the thought, the lot, lot of kind of design and, and that it's, it's a cracking product and it, it's a, it's a cracking um, company with a really, really good, idea of where it wants to be and what it wants to do and this precision fishing is is the future it absolutely is the future you've got to look at what's happening in policy now we're we've got the 30 30 um uh drive towards marine protected areas um that's happening absolutely happening and um you know the industry needs the tools to move forward and allow it to continue to 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 bring the important food source to the table for us as consumers, but to do it in a sustainable and an ethical way um, that, that, yeah, just allows this to, to continue. So I guess once I'd, you know, get back to your question, once I'd seen and, and got to understand that, I thought, right, yeah, this is, this is a good fit for me as a kind of, I suppose, somebody that's interested in it um and certainly is, is offering me plenty of challenges that's for sure which you're doing a great job with Tom. Like, that, i mean from my perspective when john tong joined safety net um it's been incredible to see the difference that it's, that's happened i mean like tom has amazing connections to the fishing sector he gets how things work uh, much better than anyone else on the team and so the way that we've been able to scale up the thinking and like how this is applied and different approaches to people working in the sector has been phenomenally different. Uh, and now we have a, a just like a really exciting year ahead. I think even though COVID's hit the industry really hard, um, the conversations that have gone on in the background to enable us to get to a point where we're now waiting to get out on vessels and go and test it and sort of the, the ways it's going to go out and change things, hopefully. Um, it's really exciting. It's really, really cool time. That's uh, brilliant. Thank you. So it sounds like you're you're on the edge of uh, something big. But um, for anyone that kind of wants to find out any more, presumably you've got a website. Um, is that kind of where they should go and get in contact if they're interested? Yeah. So the website is www.sntech.co.uk. So S-N-T-E-C-H. Um, and yeah, either have a look on there and see what we're up to or drop us an email or LinkedIn or whatever. Um, we're usually very responsive. Um, so yeah. Let us know what you're thinking. Brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us today. I've definitely learned something and it's been hugely interesting. Yeah, so same. thank you for coming along. Thanks, thank you, guys. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. To keep up to date with the podcast, follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at UOE podcast. And on Instagram, it's natural selection underscore podcast. The podcast is available on SoundCloud, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Please do like and share if you enjoyed the podcast and thank you.